everybody that's blessed in this building. Uh, give your praise to the blesser tonight. Give your praise to the blesser tonight. Woo! Hallelujah. Anybody got a blessing with your name written on it tonight? Hallelujah. Oh, man, it feels good in the house of the Lord tonight. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. So good to see all of you here in the house of the Lord tonight. Just remain standing with me. We're going to get quickly into the word of the Lord tonight. Grab your Bibles. While you're grabbing your Bibles, let me say what a privilege and an honor it is to have all of our guests that are in the house of the Lord with us tonight. Rock Church, would you help me give them a great applause for just a moment here? Come on, help me give a great applause to all of our guests. Amen. To all of our guests that are streaming online from around the globe, we're glad you tuned in to be with us tonight. And we're excited about what God is doing in this place. Amen. I'm uh, grateful for what the Lord is doing. And uh, Brother Leo mentioned how God is moving in some incredible ways with our evangelism efforts. We had a record Friday night crowd uh, on this past Friday night for, uh, for Heat and Kia. And, uh, and then this weekend, amen, that's worth giving God some praise over. And uh, in this weekend, while they were uh, out knocking doors, they came to the door of one gentleman who was so hungry for what God was doing, they began to preach the gospel to him. And before it was all said and done, they baptized him at his house right there in Jesus' name. He came out of the water speaking in tongues as God filled him with the Holy Ghost. God is doing some great things. Amen. And I'm grateful for that. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter number 5. If you have been here the past uh, couple of months, you know that we have been in a series on Tuesday nights called The Blessed Life. Amen. And we have been digging into the riches of the word of the Lord in Matthew chapter number 5, which is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and the very first part of this chapter is referred to uh, colloquially as the Beatitudes, and it is so full of uh, riches and wisdom and impartation, and uh, it reminds me of the scripture in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 2 when it said that that the word of the Lord, when it was preached to them, was of none effect, not being mixed with faith. And you've heard me teach before that when you mix your faith with the word of the Lord, there is a reconstitution of Scripture that happens. Because the Bible says that if all the things were written concerning the ministry of Jesus Christ, that the worlds would not be able to contain the volumes and so if the worlds could not contain the volumes, then the one volume that we have is a condensed and a concentrate version of its original size and capacity. And just like when you get that Minute Maid orange juice from concentrate, it's one little tube. But when you mix it with water, you reconstitute it back to its original state and it becomes larger. And that's how the word of the Lord is. When you begin to mix your faith with God's word, you begin to understand the potency and the concentrated power in every word that is written in the scriptures. And so that is why we can be five weeks and many hours of preaching and only be on verse number seven of chapter five of the book of Matthew. And uh, so verse number seven is where we will be tonight. And it says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Put your Bibles down and clap your hands to the Lord one more time. 
in this sanctuary. Somebody ought to just get your faith and start stirring it with the word of the Lord right now. Just start mixing your faith with the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. You may be seated. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. In, by way of introduction tonight, I want to begin by clarifying just a couple of things. One of them is the understanding of what mercy is. And sometimes in order to understand what something is, you first have to clarify what it is not. And oftentimes in the church world, the term mercy is used interchangeably as a synonym with the word grace. But tonight I want to clarify that there is an absolute delineation between those two words. They do not mean the same thing. And when you speak of mercy and grace, there is an understanding to be had concerning each of these words. Let me first define for us the term grace. The word grace comes from the Greek word charis, where we get the word charisma. And the word grace uh, is a word that we often hear used by the church world to describe God's posture concerning sin in our lives. And one of the ways that it is often presented, and it is presented in a uh, most frequently in the church world in a fallible perspective because it is presented as God somehow ignoring our sin. Somehow it is portrayed as a... Uh, a posture of God whereby we sin and God's grace just keeps us from any punitive repercussions concerning grace. The fact of the matter is that that is not really what grace is about at all. As a matter of fact, when you study the word charis in its original context, you will find that there is an element to the word that deals with impartation of favor and power that you cannot get from yourself. And so when we speak of the grace of God, we are talking about God imparting a particular level of favor or power or ability that we cannot get ourselves. Let me give you an example. When you begin to study the word of the Lord, you will find in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 that the apostle Paul begins to write to the church and he begins to uh, lend a bit of transparency to them concerning uh, himself. And he said, you think that I'm strong. You think that I'm some great man. But the fact of the matter is, he said, there is uh, a thorn in my side. There's this thing that... Uh, that I, that I struggle with, that I, that I have to keep dealing with in my life. And he said, I, I've went to God three times, and I've asked God if he would take this away from me. God, it seems that uh, if you would deliver me from this, uh, that, then I wouldn't have to go to the altar and repent so much. I can't get an amen in the building tonight. Uh, Lord, it just seems that if you would uh, remove this from my life, that I, I wouldn't have to deal with uh, conviction and, and, and the struggle uh, of this thing. I could be a, a better Christian, God, if you uh, would remove this, uh, this temptation and this uh, struggle. Anybody know I prayed that kind of prayer before? It? And it seems noble that he would pray uh, and say, Lord, uh, remove this thing from me. But God does not grant uh, his petition. Um, God simply states to him, uh, my grace uh, is sufficient uh, for you. 
Sometimes God's answer uh, is not to deliver you from the struggle, uh, but to give you grace uh, for the struggle. Uh, sometimes God's answer uh, is not to take the trouble away, uh, but instead give you grace uh, to make it through the struggle. Uh, Paul, I know uh, that you keep failing in your flesh, uh, but I'm going to give you some grace. Uh, I'm going to empower you uh, to live above the struggle. Uh, I'm going to empower you uh, to overcome uh, the temptation. Uh, I'm going to, I feel like telling somebody in the building uh, that his grace uh, is sufficient uh, where sin doth abound. Uh, grace uh, doth much more uh, abound. I don't care how tough it is. Uh, I don't care how big the trouble is. Uh, I don't care how wicked the temptation. Uh, God's grace uh, is big enough uh, and strong enough uh, to keep you above water, uh, to help you live above sin, uh, to help you live above reproach. Uh, grace isn't a license to sin. Uh, it's a power uh, to overcome sin. Uh, grace is isn't an excuse uh, to live wrong, uh, but grace is the power uh, to live right uh, in the face of struggle, uh, in the face of temptation, uh, in the face uh, of your own weakness. Uh, that's why Paul would say, I would rather glory uh, in mine infirmities uh, because his strength uh, is made perfect uh, in my weakness. That's why the Bible says to boldly come before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's grace. Grace is different than mercy. The word mercy comes from the word elios. And a simple definition of mercy is simply compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm them. Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or to harm them. And Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. Now I think in order to understand the potency of this simple statement from Jesus, you must be able to garner from Scripture a panoramic perspective of grace and mercy. You must understand and have a broad perspective of mercy in Scripture. Now I want to give you a verse in the Bible that to me is a poetic hinge of revelation concerning grace. If you're taking notes, write it down. Psalms chapter 85 and verse number 10. It says, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Mercy and truth are met together. They're on two different trajectories. They're in two different places. But at some point, truth and mercy come together. In order to get a panoramic perspective of mercy, 
you must first go all the way back to the garden. Because it is in the garden that God places Adam and Eve. And he gives them a commandment and tells them of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat thereof. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And you know the story. Satan comes to Eve and he begins to speak to her and it is interesting, I don't have time to preach all of this. Uh, the law of first reference, uh, we find Satan as a serpent, uh, the most subtle beast in the field, and he's in the garden. Uh, and to be subtle means uh, that you're able to implement change uh, in a way that it is almost imperceptible. Uh, and Satan uh, goes and he is working uh, his influence of change uh, in a subtle way. Uh, and the way that he does it uh, is through conversation. Just speaking uh, and the conversation, uh, interestingly enough, uh, is that he is trying uh, to put questions uh, in the mind of Eve uh, concerning the word uh, of the Lord. And not only is it putting questions in her mind, uh, but he is bringing her attention uh, to what God said uh, that they could not eat. Why is that significant? Uh, because when you think about it, uh, the first words out of God's mouth uh, had nothing to do uh, with what they could not do. But Satan always wants to change uh, your perspective uh, to think that you serve a God uh, that is a God uh, full of restrictions uh, and lists of things uh, that you cannot do. As a matter of fact, the first words God said was of every tree in the garden, not only thou mayest eat, thou mayest freely eat. You can have everything that you want except the one tree. Why is it that the enemy wants her to focus on the one little thing that God said not to do instead of understanding the blessing of of all of the things she I don't have time to, 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 to go down that road for very long but he deceives the woman and because of the deception she eats the fruit and she gives it to Adam and he eats the fruit and the Bible said that God finds them there in the garden and they disobeyed his word. And he had already spoken to them and his word does not return unto him void. And his word said that in the day you eat of the tree, thou shalt surely die. Truth said, you ate the fruit, and now you're going to die. But the voice of mercy said, I'm going to kill an animal as propitiation for your sin instead. Truth said, uh, you should have died. But mercy said, uh, I'm going to shed the blood of an animal uh, and they will become the propitiation uh, and pay the price uh, for the sin. And you understand that God finds them in their, 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 their clothing that they had tried to weave together from the leaves. Uh, and he takes uh, and he takes the skin uh, of animals in order for an animal to give up its skin. Uh, there was blood shed that day. Uh, and I can see as God puts uh, on them coats uh, of skin uh, and there's blood probably uh, still, they didn't have tanneries, uh, there's probably blood still dripping uh, off of the coats of skin uh, as he puts that over them. Um, and we begin to understand uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. Now, now let me pause here because I'm going 
going to reference the book of Hebrews tonight. And one of the keys to understanding the book of Hebrews, it is probably, in my estimation, the greatest book written in the scriptures. And it is written probably by the Apostle Paul and is a, an absolute masterpiece dissertation concerning revelation of Old Testament types and New Testament fulfillment. Over and over again, you'll, you'll catch Paul saying uh, greater things and uh, the, the, the fulfillment of things. And he uh, references shadows and types. And so in Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 22, the Bible says that almost all things by the law are purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. That wasn't established in Hebrews 9 and 22. It was established when God took the coat of skins and said, I've got to cover. That's what the word atonement means, a covering. I'm going to provide an atonement or a covering for your sin. And in order for that to happen, there must be the shedding of blood. Truth said, you're supposed to die. But the voice of mercy said, this animal is going to shed its blood in your place. And this principle becomes part of God's plan of redemption for humanity. As you begin to work your way through the scripture, you will find God he takes Moses to Mount Sinai and he begins to establish his people as a nation. He begins to speak to Moses concerning the establishment of Israel and all of its statutes and orders of the tabernacle and the furniture of the tabernacle. And he begins to give him the details. There were precise measurements and precise supplies and resources that had to be used in order to make the tabernacle exact the way that God intended for it to be. And in Exodus chapter 25, you will find God speaking to Moses concerning the construction of a piece of furniture in the tabernacle that was called the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a piece of furniture that would be placed not just inside of the tabernacle, but it would be placed beyond the veil into the holiest of holies. And it would be placed in a strategic location that it would be inaccessible to people in general. The only people who would be able to go through the veil and access this Ark of the Covenant was the high priest. And the reason was is that on a regular basis they would take the blood of the animals who were the propitiation for the sin of the nation and they would offer the shed blood because Hebrews 9.22 said that without the shedding of blood there's no remission. And so every year the high priest would go through the veil and he would take that blood and he would place it there on the ark of the covenant and it was a religious process by which God would withhold judgment he would extend mercy on the nation of Israel for their sins and nobody could go past the veil the mercy operated within the confines of, of the veil. Uh, access uh, to the mercy uh, was relegated to uh, the veil. And when you begin to study uh, Exodus 25, uh, the Ark of the Covenant was important uh, for many reasons. Uh, but it was there because uh, it was part uh, of God's plan of mercy uh, for the people of God. Uh, and uh, put, put that image up if you would, uh, uh, 
Sister Camila, when you begin to look at the construction of the Ark of the Covenant and you read Exodus 25, this is important. I want you to get this tonight. He said you're going to build this Ark in a particular way and it is going to look a certain way. And he said in Exodus 25, 17, thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. There's going to be a part of this piece of furniture that is literally going to bear the name, the mercy seat. This will be the place from which mercy will be extended. This will be the place by which the transaction of atonement will take place. This mercy seat is where the blood is going to be placed. And I will bring atonement and propitiation for the sin of all of the nation. Oh, hold on with me tonight. Uh, he said there, uh, you're going to make the mercy seat uh, of pure gold. Two cubits and a half uh, shall be the length thereof. Uh, and a cubit and a half uh, shall be the breadth uh, thereof. Uh, and thou shalt make, uh, listen to this, okay. Uh, thou shalt make uh, two uh, cherubims. Cherubims were a type uh, of angel. Uh, you're going to make two cherubims of gold, uh, of beaten work. Uh, shalt thou make them uh, in the two uh, End. Somebody shout two ends. In the two ends uh, of uh, the mercy seat, uh, in the middle of the top of the ark uh, is going to be uh, a place, uh, the mercy seat. Uh, that's where the blood is going to go. Uh, and on one end of the ark uh, is going to be a cherubim. Uh, and he is going to be positioned uh, with his eyes uh, looking on the mercy seat. Uh, and on the other end uh, of the ark uh, is going to be another cherubim uh, with his eyes focused uh, on the mercy seat. I could preach here uh, about why it's important uh, not to get your eyes on people uh, but to have your eyes fixed uh, on the mercy seat uh, of God. I could preach that uh, for a little while tonight. Uh, verse 19 he reiterates the importance of position. Uh, and he said, and make one cherubim uh, on the one end uh, and the other cherubim uh, on the other end. Uh, even of the mercy seat uh, shall ye make the cherubims uh, on the two ends uh, thereof. Uh, and the cherubim shall stretch forth uh, their wings on high, uh, covering the mercy seat uh, with their wings and their faces shall look one to another toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be and thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee listen to verse 22 and there I will meet with thee it's going to be uh, on the mercy seat. It's going to be in this place uh, that I uh, will meet with thee uh, and I will uh, commune with thee uh, from above uh, the mercy seat uh, and from between uh, the two cherubims uh, which are upon the ark uh, of the testimony uh, of all things uh, which I will give thee uh, in commandment uh, unto the children uh, of Israel. It is important to note as you study the instructions of God to Moses uh, that there is so many uh, pertinent details uh, and commandments uh, that God gives him uh, concerning the tabernacle. It is as if God uh, gave him no leeway. God didn't give him uh, any creative freedoms uh, to make it how he wanted. Uh, God had every detail, uh, every part of it uh, exactly how uh, it was supposed 
supposed to be? Uh, why uh, was there so much detail? Why did it have to be uh, so exact? Uh, well, if you read in the book of Hebrews chapter 8 uh, and verse number 5, uh, you'll find the answer tonight. Uh, it says, uh, who serve uh, unto the example uh, and shadow uh, of heavenly uh, things. Everything in the tabernacle, all of the furniture, all of the details, they served unto the example and the shadow of heavenly things. They were not the things. They were the example and the shadow of the thing. Oh, when you saw the tabernacle and you saw the Ark of the Covenant, you weren't seeing the thing. You were seeing a representation of the thing that was in the heavenlies. You couldn't see in the heavenlies. And so God said, I'm going to give you a shadow and an example of what is in the heavenlies. What was in the heavenlies was not a representation of the earthly. What was earthly uh, was a representation uh, of what was in uh, the heavenlies. And so uh, it says as Moses uh, was admonished of God uh, when he was about to make uh, the tabernacle. Uh, for see, uh, saith he, uh, that thou makest all things uh, according uh, to the pattern uh, showed to thee uh, in the mount. The reason God gave him such a specific blueprint, he said, Moses, you can't see it in the heavenlies, but I'm giving you every measurement because when you fashion that thing in the earth realm, it will be a representation of what is happening in the heavenlies. You are making, follow the instructions, Moses. Don't get it wrong. There is significance to everything you're doing because it is an example and a shadow of heavenly things. And so as you begin to study the administration of the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, and the priesthood and all of those things, you begin to understand that what you are looking at is the activity of heaven. That what you are studying is not priests and robes and mercy seats and chairs. What you are studying is a figure of what is happening in the heavenlies. Hebrews chapter number 10, uh, verses 4 through 10 says, listen, um, for it is not possible uh, that the blood of bulls uh, and goats uh, should take away uh, sin. That's why they had to keep offering the sacrifice uh, over and over again. Um, because the blood of the bulls and the goats uh, was not powerful enough uh, to remove the sin. Um, it was an atonement. Uh, it covered the sin. But how many of you know covering something uh, isn't the same as removing it? The blood of the bulls and goats uh, can cover for a little while, uh, but it cannot remove uh, the sin. Uh, wherefore, verse number 5, uh, when he cometh uh, into the world, uh, he saith, who's he talking about? Uh, he's talking about Jesus. Uh, when Jesus comes into the world, uh, he saith, uh, sacrifice uh, and offering thou wouldest not, uh, but a body uh, hast thou uh, prepared me. Uh, in burnt offerings uh, and sacrifices uh, for sin uh, thou hast had no uh, pleasure. Listen to 7. Um, then said I, lo, uh, I come uh, in the volume of the book. Uh, it is written of me uh, to do thy will, O God. God, I could shout uh, over that right there. Uh, when Jesus was born, uh, he came uh, in the volume uh, of the book. Uh, in the beginning uh, was the... 
the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And when you skip down to verse 13, it said the Word became flesh. What happened? He came in the volume of the book. He came in the volume of the book that was written of him. <laughs> Verse number eight. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither haddest pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Do you hear what's happening? He is speaking directly concerning the order of the Old Testament tabernacle. In the dispensation of the law, they offered blood from bulls and goats. He said, Lord, I know it didn't satisfy you. It didn't fulfill the, 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 the intention of what you really had. So in verse number 9, he said, then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Listen, uh, he taketh away uh, the first, what, what is the first? Uh, the Old Testament. Uh, the Old Testament. Uh, the, the, the offering of the sacrifices was under the Old Testament. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. The second is a perfection, a fulfillment of all of the types and the shadows and the patterns. These things were a shadow and an example. In the first, you just had a model. But in the second, I'm going to manage manifest uh, the real thing. Verse number 10, he said, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. My God, somebody ought to run the aisles right there. In the Old Testament, they had to put the blood of bulls and goats every single year, and all it would do was cover. But in this New Testament, we're going to be sanctified uh, through the offering uh, of the body uh, of Jesus Christ uh, once uh, and uh, for all. <laughs> That's why in the book of John chapter 1 and verse number 29, the Bible says, John, the Baptist sees Jesus coming. And he says unto him, Behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Not just a nation. This isn't just something happening behind a veil. This isn't a transaction that's just specific to a nation. But this lamb is going to take away the sin of the entire world. These things are for a shadow and an example that lamb manifested himself. And when he hung on that cross, his blood pouring down. Remember, the tabernacle was just a model of things happening in the heavenlies. And while all of this stuff is going on with the lamb, we're seeing it in the earth realm. But there is something happening in the heavenlies. And as he hangs there and his blood spills to the ground, there is a moment, a defining moment where the lamb lifts his voice and says, It is finished. 
And when he opens his mouth and declares the work finished, what happened in the heavenly is reflected in the earth. And the Bible said that the veil was torn into two. Why? Because mercy and truth have met together. For so many years, mercy was behind the veil. But at this moment right here, the veil is torn and mercy and truth have come together. The veil was rent in the earth because God hath torn down that middle wall of partition between us through Jesus Christ. There was something in the heavenlies. Truth said, the wages of sin is death. But mercy said, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 12. Mercy said, but Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come. By a greater, here's that Hebrew language, uh, by a greater uh, and more perfect uh, tabernacle. <laughs> not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place. Ah, you got to understand this. Not only was he the lamb, but he became the priest, and he carried his own blood, and he didn't have to go every year this was going to be the last time uh, that the priest went through the veil. Uh, that's why the veil was torn. Uh, there's not going to be a need uh, for a veil after this uh, because my mercy uh, is going to be made available uh, to all of humanity. Uh, you're going to be able to access uh, the throne uh, of God uh, by his own blood. Uh, he entered once uh, into the holy place. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. When the veil was torn, mercy and truth are met together. Truth said, I got to die because I'm a sinner. But mercy said, he died and paid the price so that you could be free. Oh, I know, uh, I got 15 of y'all shouting, uh, but if somebody would just reach back uh, and remember everything that the blood uh, brought you through tonight, uh, you wouldn't just sit there in your pew uh, when you begin to understand. Uh, he did all of that uh, just for me. Uh, he put an animal skin uh, on Adam and Eve uh, because he looked uh, into the future uh, and he saw me uh, and he knew my name. Uh, he endured the strife because of me. He wore the crown of thorns because of me. He endured the shame, despised the cross because of me. Mercy and truth. They're no longer separated, but mercy and truth come together. How could somebody as wretched as me make it to heaven because mercy and truth come together? How could somebody with as many problems as I have ever be a child of God because mercy and truth have come together? They're both a reality. You were a drug addict. You were a liar. You were a cheater. You were a mess up. You were a fornicator. I know, I know it's going to get quiet and you can't shout. You were an adulterer. You were a thief. But truth and mercy came together. Mercy and truth. You, you remember the picture, put it back up there, of the Ark of the Covenant. It's, it's a shadow. It's, it's an example. Isn't it interesting to note 
that after Jesus was crucified and spilt his blood, that John chapter 20 and verse number 12 says that when Mary ran into, just leave the picture up there. You can look at the scripture reference later. When she ran into the tomb, the Bible says that she saw two angels. The one at the head and the other at the feet of where the body of Jesus had. Why? Because uh, the things in the earth uh, were a shadow uh, of the heavenlies. Uh, my God, uh, where he had lain uh, is where the blood, uh, I could see the blood pulled up uh, as he laid in that grave. Uh, and those angels came down. Uh, they were There was a transition uh, from the earthly uh, into the heavenly. Uh, truth uh, and mercy uh, were coming together uh, on the mercy seat. Uh, it was no longer behind a veil. Uh, but it was laying in the tomb. The mercy seat had transitioned and it was there while the angel... The transaction had been completed. The high priest had brought his own blood and laid it on the mercy seat. Mercy truth have come together. Blessed are the merciful. It is with this substrata of revelation that we approach the teaching of Jesus concerning Mercy. Mercy is not just a cheap byword that we throw around in Christianity. We understand its far-reaching implications from the very existence and beginning of mankind until today. Mercy, mercy, the mercy seat. The atonement, the bulls, the goats, the lambs slain from the foundation of the world hanging on a cross to bring mercy. It's because of all of that that I'm even in this building tonight. It's because all of that that I'm not in prison tonight. I'll find you somewhere. It's because all of that that I'm not locked up in the state hospital with mental problems. It's because of all of that uh, that I wasn't shot and killed uh, in an altercation uh, it's because uh, it's because uh, of mercy the very reason I've got breath uh, in my body is because of one word uh, the mercy uh, of God uh, the reason I can even walk uh, on my own two feet uh, is because of one word uh, the mercy uh, of God uh, I just want to know one thing tonight uh, is there anybody in here uh, that can testify uh, it's only by his mercy uh, it's only by uh, your grace uh, and mercy uh, me through. I'm living this moment because of you. What of the Holy Ghost? Mercy, 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 mercy. I can't forget about mercy. The next time I want to trample the blood of Jesus, I've got to remember mercy. The next time I want to get out of my walk with God and do what I want to do, I got to remember mercy. I got to remember the Bible said that when you sin again, that you crucify him afresh, nailing him to no, I can't do that again. It was mercy mercy blessed blessed 
are the merciful. To be merciful simply means to be full of mercy. Truth said, I should die. Mercy said, God's going to die for you. And so it is with this posture that Jesus begins to preach his sermon on the mount and says, blessed are the merciful. Later on, you would find him conveying a parable to give us an understanding in our third dimensional reality of what mercy looks like in our lives. Matthew chapter 18 verse 21 said, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Y'all was shouting with me a few moments ago. Till seven times? Should I forgive him seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. <laughs> That's 490 times. And if you study the context of the scripture, this wasn't about a particular number. Jesus was expressing that your definition of enough is not even close to my definition. Your definition of mercy being full is seven times. And it's not even close to what I call full of mercy. I wish I had a witness in the building. Verse 23, you always pay attention when Jesus begins like this. And therefore is the kingdom of heaven. There it is. He, he is taking us and saying, I'm going to explain a heavenly concept using an earthly example. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon or reconcile, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. Now, if you do the math in modern day money, that's a, a, an astronomical uh, amount uh, of money. But for as much uh, as he had not uh, to pay, uh, his Lord commanded him uh, to be sold uh, and his wife uh, and children uh, and all that he had uh, and payment uh, to be made. Truth said, uh, you owe the money uh, and because you can't pay for it, uh, your life is going to be required. Uh, and that's what truth said. Verse 26 said, the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Just have patience with me, and I'll do better, I promise. I'll try harder. And the Bible said, listen to the reaction, that the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Mercy said, you owe the money and you should pay the penalty. Truth said, but mercy said, I forgive you. that was me, I would be like Ebenezer Scrooge waking up from the final visitation. I'd be running around handing out money to everybody. 
hugging everybody, telling them how much I love them. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. It was nothing. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat. Y'all ever see that in that story before? He didn't just go find him, but he walked up to him and grabbed him by the throat. And he said, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, sounds familiar, and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee everything. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion? on thy fellow servant even as I had pity on thee and his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay that was due unto him so likewise now he's back into the heavenlies so likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you if ye from your hearts Forgive not uh, everyone uh, his brethren uh, from their uh, trespasses. Uh, God said, uh, you must have forgot uh, everything I did for you. Uh, you must have forgot uh, about mercy. Uh, you must have forgot uh, that I died on a cross uh, so that you wouldn't have to. Uh, you must have forgot uh, that I pulled you up uh, out of the pit uh, in one place God said, said to Israel, uh, when I found you, uh, you were a discarded baby uh, out in the desert uh, and the sun uh, was shriveling you up uh, and the umbilical cord uh, was wrapped around your neck uh, and I picked you up uh, and I cleaned you uh, and I brought you back uh, to health. Uh, you must have forgot. Uh, God gets a serious attitude uh, when we hold people uh, to a level of hostage uh, that God God has forgiven us from. God gets angry when we live with our brethren and we don't consider our... Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. The story would indicate that you can put yourself in a posture where God lifts his hand of mercy from you. Oh, I know you think you're all that in a bag of chips. I know you think you're all that. But if you have unforgiveness in your heart, where's all my shouters? If you think you can live holding a grudge, let me preach about the sin of a grudge for just a moment. Where do we get off thinking that we can go days angry with people? Oh, it's going to get quiet up in here. 
Where do we get off thinking uh, that we can go day after day uh, angry with somebody uh, because of what they did uh, to us, uh, because of how uh, they, oh, it's getting awfully quiet in here, uh, because of what they said to us, uh, because of what they did uh, to us. Uh, how is it we really think uh, that we can go day after day uh, not speaking to people uh, and ignoring people uh, and walking uh, Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Uh, I'll tell you what's going on, baby. Uh, you forgot uh, how quickly God uh, heard your request uh, when you came to the altar. Uh, how quickly uh, you forgot uh, when you got on your face uh, and repented uh, and said, Lord, uh, be patient with me. Uh, why is patience good uh, when God gives it to you, uh, but the patience is no good uh, when you you got to give it to your Come on, somebody. Uh, you don't know what they did to me. Uh, you got to be patient with them uh, because God's being patient uh, with you. Uh, I said you got to be patient with them uh, because the only reason you're here uh, is that God's been If God recalled your debt, uh, you'd be in the same shape they are. Uh, if God recalled uh, what you owe, uh, you'd be in trouble tonight. Uh, if God re-come on, uh, I'm pre tonight. Uh, blessed uh, are the merciful, uh, for they shall uh, obtain mercy. Music come. I declare to you, you can't make it to heaven withholding mercy from your brother and sister. many times I'm supposed to do it? That's the same question they asked Jesus, wasn't it? Blessed are the mercy full. That means that no matter how much mercy you give, you still got plenty left to pour out. There's more where that came from. I'm down to 10 clappers tonight. can't live a blessed life being offended with people all of the time. <laughs> Offense comes when there's no mercy. I said offense comes when there's no mercy. When you're full of mercy, you can be do what Jesus did. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Ah, the other side. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When you're full of mercy, you see people's sinful nature and you see their mistakes even when it's aimed at you and you have mercy. Ah, I should return evil for evil, but mercy said no. And why do I have mercy? Because God had mercy on me. I was in the same position. I did truth said I should have died, but mercy said I'm going to let you live. <laughs> Blessed are the merciful. Book of Lamentations, and I'm closing. Chapter number three. We're taking notes right this down. Lamentations, chapter three. Verse 22 Verse number 23. It says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. I don't care how many scriptures you can quote. I don't care how many hours you spend on your knees. 
don't care how holy you look. It's only by God's mercy that you're not consumed. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because, I love this right here, his compassions fail not. He doesn't run out of compassion. Listen to verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Every morning God gives me another chance to get right with him. I know there's somebody in this building that knows what I'm talking about. Uh, God, if it wasn't for that, I would have been done a long time ago. Uh, but his compassions uh, fail not. Uh, and his mercy uh, is new uh, every uh, single morning. And if God's mercies are new in your life every morning, then how... Should our mercy be with other people? Let's stand all over this house. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain. Listen, I want you to hear this because I'm preaching to some people that right now everything's okay. But the scripture said they shall obtain. You know what that tells me? It's future tense. If you don't need it now, you're going to need it. I just need about a hundred honest people in the building. I just need about a hundred honest people in the building. If you don't need it right now, uh, you're going uh, to need God's mercy. And when you go to reach for His mercy, the same vessel you use to give it to other people, God's going to give it to you. I wonder if we could lift our hands all over the sanctuary right now. And I wonder if there's anybody that feels like coming to this altar and just saying, Lord, I want you to help me with my posture. God, I want you to help me with how I handle other people. I want you to help me, God, with my interactions with other people, God. Because it's only by your mercy uh, that I'm here. Uh, it's only by your mercy uh, that I'm even breathing tonight, God. Uh, I need you. Come on, all over this house. Somebody call For on him. Uh, all over this house. Come on. Come on. I need your mercy. Come on, somebody lift those hands for just a few minutes tonight. Somebody lift your hands for just a few minutes.